Hey guys, I hope you're having a good day. What is a good day? A good day is one that starts and ends spending time with our wonderful Lord. We continue in the book of Titus, living a Christ-centered life in a self-centered world, living in the light of the Lord's return. Titus 2, 13 through 14, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We live in between time, suspended between the already and the not yet. Christ has appeared and will appear. We are to look back on the one, Christ first appearing in his grace, and forward to the other, his second appearing in his glory. Are you ready for the Lord to return today? I hope so. Looking for our focus, our gaze, our attention and thinking should always include the return of the Lord. We should constantly live in the light of the Lord's return. The word translated looking for has the idea of waiting with patience and confidence. It's not hoping if it might not happen, but a certain eager, enthusiastic expectation. Do you remember your excitement as a small child as you look forward to Christmas? Is there something you are now looking forward to? Summer vacation, graduation, marriage? With that same anticipation, same excitement, look for the Lord to come back. As believers, we are citizens of another country, the same country where our Lord Jesus Christ lives, a country called heaven. It is from this wonderful place that our Lord is making plans to come and rescue us from this wicked world. For those who eagerly anticipate and lovingly look forward to our Lord's soon return, uh, God has a special gift waiting. According to Philippians 3, our weak mortal bodies will be changed to be just like Jesus' resurrected body. 2 Timothy 4 reminds us that a prize is waiting for those who eagerly and expectantly look for the Lord's return, a crown of righteousness. And Peter explains that in the future, we will enjoy a brand new earth and a brand new new heaven. Hey, add to all of this the knowledge of our enemy, the devil being cast into the eternal lake of fire, and we see that someday we will no longer have the world, the flesh, and the devil to contend with. We can simply spend eternity mirroring Eden where Adam worked in the garden and walked with God. Now that blessed hope, the word blessed is used 50 times in the New Testament with the idea of being fortunate, joyful, and happy. Hope is a happy anticipation of good, not the fearful, I hope so, maybe it could be, we'll just have to wait and see type of hope. If you truly pray and ask the Lord to speed up his coming, how should the confident expectation of the Lord's return affect your witnessing? If you really hope the Lord comes today, how can the knowledge that the Lord could return any hour, any minute, any second, help us to say no to sin and temptation? Do you truly hope the Lord will return today? And then it says, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ's first appearing was a humble birth surrounded by animals, shepherds, hay, and straw. His second appearing will be with trumpets, shouts, angels, and glory. The word glorious is a glorious word. If you painted the word, you would need to use colors as bright as fire. Any attempt to describe glorious leaves you short, even if you use words like honor and dignity and praiseworthiness. The Greek word Paul used uh, that is translated glorious for us is the word doxa, from where we get our word doxology. Our opinion of God's magnificence must match God's opinion of his own majesty and glory. 
When we seek to glorify God, we seek to give the right, favorable opinion of him in the eyes of all who will hear. Then the Bible says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity or sin and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Here, Paul is using Old Testament words and terminology that we're not accustomed to, but his audience knew well. Studying background, environment, and culture helps us to communicate the gospel message in a way that makes sense. Who gave himself, Jesus offered himself as the Passover sacrifice to die. Redeem. This is a picture of the Exodus, Israel's redemption from Egyptian bondage. A peculiar people, a covenant or promise was made at Mount Sinai, where Israel became Jehovah's unique, special, one-of-a-kind treasured possession. Here, peculiar is a good word reminding us that we are special to God. We can learn a great lesson from Paul's communication. Do you know the gospel well enough to explain it to a 15-year-old street kid who never read the Bible before? Could you put Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in plain words so a six-year-old child could understand? Can you clearly explain how you know you are saved to one of your friends? I love the way the scripture teaches and reteaches the same principles by different writers at different times of history. God, over hundreds of years, with writers from all kinds of backgrounds, farmers to kings, reinforces his perfect plan for all to know and understand. We need to be thankful that we have a God who knows us so well that he teaches, clarifies, and then re-clarifies to make sure we understand his divine truths. Compare the four phrases we're meditating on today with corresponding verses like, who gave himself for us, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The phrase that he might redeem us from all iniquity, Ephesians 1.5, having predestinated us, to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. The phrase, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, this one uh, Peter dealt with in chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, in which time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. One more phrase, zealous of good works. Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. So, being suspended between the already and the not yet. We know that Christ has appeared in the past and will appear in the future. We are to look back on the one Christ first appearing in his grace and be thankful. Then look forward to the other, his second appearing in his glory, and be hopeful. Are you ready for the Lord's return? Today, I am. Let me finish with the last two verses of our wonderful Bible. Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. Here's our Lord. He's testifying. He says this, Surely, I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, that's our prayer. And my prayer for you guys, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Hey, our time's up for today. Uh, maybe we won't even meet tomorrow because the Lord might come tonight. I hope so. But today's the day the Lord made. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. And I hope that you have a really, really good day.